Hey everybody, this is Perch, and I'm here with Joe Corallo again. Uh, how are you doing, Joe? I'm all right, Perch. How are you? I'm doing great. We uh, we have the pleasure of interviewing uh, the great Katana Collins. How are you doing today? Hi, I'm good. I'm good. How are you guys doing? Uh, not, not too bad. Yeah, we're. Um, I'm very excited to talk to you. I mean, you you just finished up uh, this this White Knight Harley Quinn series, which was great. Uh, I know I enjoyed. A lot of people really enjoyed that. Thank you. Um, so we want to talk to you about that. But I, Joe, you you wanted to talk. You had a different thing you wanted to start with. Yeah, you know, I I heard uh, through your website, which is there's <laughs> probably going to be a link to that uh, below this interview, uh, that you love coffee. I. It's it's beyond love. It is um, a full on monogamous relationship <laughs> with all with all its with all of its um, negatives and positives that that comes with. <laughs> nice. So, so you do you buy already ground coffee? Do you have to grind your own beans? Like like yeah, where where do you go. fall yeah. in this? Are, are are we talking uh, <sighs> you know French presses? Are we talking uh, drip? I French press. I'm a French there we go. Kind of gal. Yeah. And I know like the the coffee academic in me knows that you're supposed to grind the beans like right before you use them. Mm -hmm. But um I'm my laziness wins out and I do not grind it when I buy the beans. Um because yeah, I'm more lazy than I am a coffee connoisseur, I suppose. But like, I academically know I'm not supposed to do that. <laughs> it's, it's too much yeah. to expect somebody in the morning when you're trying to just get your day started to go through all this mechanics to get the coffee. You, you just at that point, you just want the coffee. Yes, yes, and also, um, I am not the morning bird in our household. Sean <laughs> is, and so he is the one who tends to make the coffee. Um, so if I was really going to be a snob, like I'm not going to make him grind the beans as well as make the coffee because he's already up making the coffee. But what about you, Joe? Coffee lover? Yeah, no, I, 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 I love coffee. I love, uh, you know, you know, I, uh, again, I, I wish I kind of was uh, a bit more on top of that. You know, I, mm -hmm. uh, I do like, uh, when I can, you know, grinding the beans when right before I, I use it. And every once in a while that happens. Right. But, something you know. something fancy when you're feeling real fancy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but, um, you know, I, I feel like a lot of coffee people have like, there's that like one like chain or something like that, that they'll be like, you know, actually it's better than you'd think or so, you know, whether it's like a Dunkin' Donuts or a McDonald's coffee or something like that. Is there, is there a, um, is there like a, a, a chain or like a, a restaurant or something where you've had the coffee and you're like, you know, it's actually not that bad. <sighs> That's a good question. Yeah. Um, That's tough. Yeah. The answer can be no. Okay. I, yeah, I'm like I like <laughs> it's a not big, Starbucks. We know that. Chain. Yeah, it's not Starbucks. Then. No, I mean I don't mind Starbucks. That's the thing. Like yeah. I, I go to Starbucks. I especially tend to like their um, like they have that God, what's it called? Like the cold brew with the foam. That yeah, the night. Yeah, yeah, that stuff is pretty pretty good. But so I guess maybe Starbucks is my answer. But like I would never like die on that mountain, right? Like that's not yeah. the hill I plan to die on. Um. And I'm, I'm trying to think because, like, there's some, like, small chains in New York where we used to live that, 
I would absolutely like without a doubt they're incredible like I think it was like was it Wicked Joe what was it called okay anyway there's like a bunch of like smaller chains in New York that I really loved and chain I think is probably not even the correct word because they're sure it's just that they have like a few locations within New York City um and I'm trying to think of the chains that I know of like McDonald's I would not say that about I I don't know that I've ever had coffee at like a chain restaurant like Chili's or yeah (laughs) what would that be like okay oh god we had this um very I I don't even remember I'm sure Sean found it somewhere because he tends to find the very fun extravagant things in our life um but it was this I think it was the most expensive coffee per ounce yeah and um the reason it was so expensive is because the coffee bean was fed to elephants oh yeah yeah have you heard about this and there's something in the digestive tract of elephants that like breaks down the acidity or something but basically you buy these coffee beans after the elephant poops it out yeah and (laughs) and, uh it was pretty good it was very strong it was like it was like drinking motor oil (laughs) and it had weirdly hints of cherry oh no and (laughs) (laughs) i am a very adventurous eater in general i will try and i am i will try just about anything you put in front of me i'll try anything once oh we've got to get to japan yeah 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 no you know um i i think at this point uh everyone listening's now wondering how do you take your coffee I take my coffee light and sweet. Okay. Dollop of cream, teaspoon of sugar. And actually, I guess it's not real sugar. I use fake sugar. Which which fake sugar do you prefer? Uh, (laughs) I am very particular about my fake sugar. I like erythritol, which sounds like a part of anatomy, but it's not. Um, To me, it doesn't like, I think stevia has a really bad aftertaste. I think Linda has a horrible aftertaste. So like, it's one of the few that I feel like doesn't have an aftertaste. Nice. I like, uh, this is a good way to start out. You get, you get to know people in a different way. I'm I'm curious. I saw on your, your, uh, your website, uh, which we will link to at the bottom of this. Um, you, you, you've gone to the coffee shop, like some local coffee shop and that's where you do some of your writing. Is that right? It it was pre pandemic. Yeah. Oh yeah. Sure. Yeah. 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 I, I feel like I tend to be much more creative if I'm out and about. Actually, there's an interesting study about ambient noise um, increasing productivity. And that's why a lot of people find themselves productive at coffee shops because of the ambient noise chatter. That makes sense. I've I've gone to the coffee shop pre-pandemic, of course, do a lot of work. And I used to, I love it. It's not the same at a park and other places, but but you you've written a number of novels um, and that's actually kind of, that's your claim to fame. You've written a, a lot of books and bestselling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I have, um, I, I've honestly not sat down and count how many books I've written anymore. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I think it's over 15 of uh, most of them romance novels um, and more than one. I think at least three of them have been, top 100 Amazon and like international Amazon bestsellers. 
Um, yeah, it's really impressive. You're over yeah. 25 books, it looks like. So crap. <laughs> Look at that. <laughs> and uh, do you do you also enjoy like uh, romance movies and stuff like that too, or or it's mostly just the novels? No, I love I love rom coms and. Yeah, I love anything that's got a good happily ever after at the end. <laughs> All right. Well, now now I have a, a big question here for you, which I, I think a lot of other people are probably waiting for your answer. Okay. All right. Lifetime or Hallmark Channel? Oh. Mm. <laughs> I if I had to choose, I think yeah. you know. I guess when I'm in the right mood, either, but. Mm -hmm. I'd probably go with Lifetime. They okay. they allow a little more um, of the romance to be seen. Yeah. Versus, like, I recall Hallmark, um, there was talk of, like, sending one of my books to Hallmark for, like, pitching a movie. Oh. And, uh, and I remember, like, when I was chatting with one of the people who was one of the editors there, because they also have a publishing company, I think, or... I think they publish books too. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong, but yeah. I was talking to someone there and she like <laughs> got like one chapter into my book and she was like, Oh, this won't do. <laughs> <laughs> Our books have like a kiss at the end, one kiss and that's it. Um, so yeah, my, mine were not a good fit. <laughs> that's fair. Um, so, yeah, yeah. Tell, so so the genre of your books and obviously you go to your website see but but what what for people who are who are new to this um and a lot of people I'm, i like that we're back into this they, they know you now um you have this new audience from from the harlequin book yeah um but you know starting from the novels what 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 kind of novels do you write what what would you say the genre and the the type of books you put together are well so romance is really interesting it's obvious they're romance novels um and romance is like a big umbrella and then within that umbrella you have all these like subgenres of romance you have motorcycle club and you have bdsm and and you have sweet romance and you have small town romance and you have clean christian romance and amish romance is a thing um yeah it's, okay. a, it's a big selling one amish romance i do not write amish romance huh. it's curious <laughs> i do not um yeah, that's that's strange okay <laughs> So I, but I do like dabble around in a lot of those subgenres. I kind of bounce back and forth. Um, and the ones that I tend to most stick to, I'm, I'm almost always contemporary. I'm always like telling a story that's in the time that we live in. I'm not telling historical romances or stories of that sort. Um, at least not yet. Mm -hmm. And I tend to kind of, it, there's a, a subgenre called new adult in romance, which is kind of like college age romance. Okay. And I really enjoy writing that. Um, and small town, I write that. I write some BDSM. Yeah, just kind of bounce all around those contemporary subgenres. I like that new adult. So this is the uh, the natural follow-up to young adult. We go to new adult. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And I remember, I think it was like, Oh, I might get this wrong. I think it was like 2011, maybe when new adult was becoming a thing. And it was really um, the indie romance market that drove it. Mm -hmm. It was basically authors who wrote these college age, like young, not young adult, but like coming of age, more adult romance. And um, I think a lot of publishers weren't scooping them up because they didn't understand where it would fit within the market. There was no genre for this yet. 
And um, some of these indie authors like paved the way and they were some of the first to indie publish um, on Amazon as eBooks and they, woo, did they take off. And then all the publishers jumped on board after that. <laughs> and like, that's how new adult romance became a thing was because publishers couldn't find a spot for it. And so at that point, self-pub and indie pub was just kind of burgeoning and becoming like a, a, a an avenue that you can make real money on. Okay. Yeah. Excellent. Oh, so, uh, all right. I've got a lot of questions now. So this, um, this mirrors comics, by the way, I mean, people who are listening along. Oh yeah. I I find it really fascinating how much romance and comics kind of mirror each other. And I think romance is like a little bit um, ahead of where comics, like, I think, I think comics is sort of on the the same precipice, maybe that romance was 10 years ago or 15 years ago. Yeah. Um, because I don't think it doesn't seem like even though e-comics are available and they are a thing, they're not popping in the same way yet. But I think they're yeah. they're probably going to. No, I I I, could, I think you're wow. Uh, so like I mean, for example, over in Japan and Korea, the first of all, the romance genre of comics is is actually quite large. It sells mm-hmm. very very well, and and a lot of indie work is is doing exactly this. Feels like they're ahead of us a bit. Both mm. on the digital side and in romance coming back. But, you know, Joe and I have talked in the past about, I mean, romance as a genre for comics used to be, if not, you know, one of the biggest, maybe the biggest. I mean, yeah, there was huge. Yeah. Jack Kirby was one of the pioneers of uh, romance yeah. comics. Yeah. People tend to forget uh, Kirby was, <laughs> was <laughs> a big romance comic illustrator for sure. Oh, yeah. Um, do you find, all right, so now I feel like I'm asking you a leading question, but, uh, with all the work you've done here with romance and everything else, um, you know, you, you do this comic, what was the kind of lead in? Did it, was it natural to kind of just move from, you know, the books you've written and, and then into the comic world? Uh, how? It was natural in the sense of, um, uh, that I think a good story is a good story. So like plotting wise, it was, it was natural. And what was so compelling to me about doing this book particularly was the fact that I, well, A, I think I've talked about this a lot, but Harley is one of my favorite characters. Yeah. So I was absolutely thrilled to be able to write Harley. Um, and Sean's version of Harley is one of my personal favorite versions of Harley too. Like I, as soon as he mentioned that she was having babies, I was like, Ah, (laughs) I have so many thoughts, (laughs) but it's not my book and I can't tell you how to write this. Um, And then it was (laughs) my book and I could tell myself how to write it. Um, So I very much wanted to tell the story of the single mother kind of struggling with that postpartum depression. Um, And, you know, there is this sort of, it's not romance, but there's like tension between her and and Bruce Mm -hmm. that I think does fit very much in the the genre I know. And, and, you know, I think romance too is, it's in everyday life. Like we have love is everywhere and um, it doesn't always have to be a romantic love, but yeah. um, Yeah. So I think I was, I was in a good place to write the story. And then of course I get to tell the, the origin of the love story as we view it between Jack and Harvey. Yeah. So what is it? My opinion. What is it about uh, like Harley um, y- you like? What 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 attracts you to the character uh, before you even started like plotting this this story in this direction? What was it that uh, really spoke to you? Yeah, that's a good question. I 
so Sean had shown me the animated series back when we were in college. Mm -hmm. And um, I think he started with, because he didn't start at like season one, episode one. I think he started with Mad Love. Okay. Yeah. And I think that was the very first, uh, like I had never seen a Batman movie, I think at that point. Mm -hmm. I, so like, it was one of my first introductions to Batman. And, sure. and it was her, it was Mad Love. And so there's, you know, it may not necessarily be even about the character rather than just, it was my first foray into it was mm -hmm. her, like she was my first exposure. Um, but if I delve a little deeper, I think that um, at least my interpretation of Mad Love was that she was this very intelligent woman who um, was I, like drawn in by the charisma of sort of this bad slash mm -hmm. <laughs> person. Um, and it, it kind of begs a, an interesting slash funny question or rather um, a funny, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, stereotype about psychiatrists that say that they tend to be crazier than their patients. Yeah. Right? Yeah. That kind of the, that old adage. <laughs> like, mm. Yeah. One of the things I liked about the the story you told with the character, because I feel like people get into the same trap with Harley a little bit. They, they kind of pick up on the, you know, what you're referencing this they she gets drawn in by the charisma of the joker and and it, he, he sends her on a life of crime and everything else but then the kind of redemption arc out of that is often this kind of violent uh escape or i mean it's it's just they write it in such a way that almost makes harley more one-dimensional and in your story you took a lot of pains to to have her exit out of this this maybe dangerous relationship to be true to her being smart and actually, you know, a, a rounded character. She didn't get dumb in the process, which feels like a trap a lot of people yeah, fall into. I think that is one of the hardest parts of writing that story um, is, and also I think part of why we told our version of it the way that we did in our book, because it, I found it very hard to tell a story that would be true to that character, how I wanted to see her, that delved and devolved into as abusive and chaotic of a relationship as it sometimes goes. Like I, yeah. I, it had to be like for the way I wanted to see the story go, mm -hmm. I wanted her to meet him as Jack, not as Joker. Cause yeah. as for me as a romance, that was a little more believable. Mm -hmm. um, and, and yeah, like we didn't take it to that same dark place that, I think a lot of people sometimes do. Mm -hmm. um, and even as she is kind of <laughs> whirlwinding into the crazy town that is Harley Quinn versus Harley and Quinzel, um, you still see glimmers of the smart woman that she was. Yes. It's being channeled very differently. Yeah, it, it never you never get a different character. I mean, it's still her that is evolving as opposed to this kind of schism into something else. And I, I it, it felt... It felt more, felt more true. I think that's when I look at some of the reviews for your book, uh, people liked the way you handled the character just because mm -hmm. it was, it, she, was she was handled more complex depth. I, I, I don't know the word I'm looking for here, but it, it, it played out very well. And it with more nuance. Probably. More nuance. There you go. Yeah. Joe, Joe with the actual English word. <laughs> <laughs> that's how you guys are the writers. Um, I, uh, how, how did, um, 
so so you're talking about the character. You, you did some research. How how did you kind of get prepared to tell this story? What what kind of things were you doing to to, to move in? Um, I did some reading, but not too much because I try to be careful about what I read while I'm writing something. Um, but I was more reading books um, for the like the beats of a comic are very different than a romance or a novel, particularly, you know, um, and trying to learn the format of how to write a comic book was the more challenging piece of it. Um, learning that, I, and I guess maybe novels do this too in, in a lesser way, but that feeling of like every issue has to end on this cliffhanger. Right. Um, and that can be really challenging. And then uh, making sure that you don't bottleneck everything to need to come together in one 22 page issue is, is another challenge that it presents as I'm sure, you know, Joe. Yeah. Um, and so that was, that was the, the hardest part. And like, I would read comic books to really try to see those beats, even if they weren't um, related at all to superheroes or DC or Harley Quinn, I would just kind of read good best selling comics and graphic novels to find that, um, What's the word I'm looking for? My God. Uh, it's pacing, right? Pacing. Thank you. Yeah. My God. Yeah. Hey, I came through. Yeah. Yeah. Were, were there any of those uh, novels, uh, graphic novels in particular, that, you know, stuck out to you that you feel you felt like, okay, this was the pacing I was envisioning and I mm -hmm. see it now, um, how, how I'm going to move forward with it? No, I mean, I wouldn't say that one, like, Sure. Yeah. The light bulb, but I, I feel like it was just sort of reading over and over and getting a sense of mm -hmm. the good, right? Like, so monstrous stood out to me as being a really, yeah. really enjoyable read. Yeah. Um, Black Hammer. Um, I really loved. This isn't the same like DC genre as me, but I really enjoyed. Um, oh God, it's not Cat on a Hot Tin Roof. It's the it's the Catwoman YA graphic novel that I really liked. Um, oh yeah. What's that yes. called? Yeah, I, uh, I know what it's. It's a Catwoman one. It's, uh, it's <laughs> I, I know Isaac Goodhart was the illustrator on that. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm yeah. Isaac's great. Yeah. Miracle yeah. Road, I think. Oh, yeah. uh, Harley Broken Glass. Yes. Right. 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 That's uh, Marika Tamaki, right? Yep, Marika yeah. Tamaki. Yeah, that was really great. Um, Gotham by Gaslight. Oh yeah. Well, mm -hmm. that's that's a classic right there. Yeah, and like Sean gave me a bunch of books. Like I had a I had a stack. I had, I had homework. The so homework material. <laughs> and then some I went and found myself like I also remember really enjoying She-Hulk one of the She-Hulk graphic novels okay which um, like, there's probably dozens and I don't I would not be able to tell you which one it was that I read um it's okay yeah let's yeah. see She-Hulk. Well, okay now, now, now I'm, I'm I've got to prevent myself from going down that path so <laughs> fortunately graphic novels there's not that many but uh anyway you could a collection or anything. I, I mean, maybe yeah. there's not dozens. Maybe I read one of the only like She Hulks that mm. out there. I don't know, but it was it was really enjoyable. I thought, and again, like that pacing, I thought was pretty tight. You um you yeah you you wound up creating uh, a new villain in this the producer and and just kind of the, this kind of uh, tell us about that. How do you come up? You bring you're bringing a new character to the Batman universe. That's got to mm -hmm. be uh, that's got to be tough. I, I mean. It was tough, but necessary since Sean killed all of them. <laughs> we didn't have a lot of. Um... <laughs> yeah, that's <laughs> a problem. Yeah, thanks, um, Sean. Yeah. 
<laughs> and I you had to go big shit in the toilet and then you got to go to the bathroom after. <laughs> I don't know if you can hear Sean. He's walking by in the background. But he said, yeah. What did you say? He took a big shit in the toilet and I had to plunge it. You had to go in after. <laughs> I had to go in after. Yeah. Anyway, um, so yeah, I I don't know if, if you know this, but I used to be an actress. I used to be um, oh, an actress and so for me, like I loved the idea of having this sort of golden age, not Hollywood, golden age Gotham star or wannabe starlet. And that's sort of where that idea was born out of in the Art Deco style. I thought, you know, and Sean also thought would be great to draw. Like you want to find something that's compelling on the eyes as well as part of the story. Oh, yeah. uh, and the producer was the the person that we were kind of adding into the story, you know, because we wanted there to be this idea that if all the world's a stage, you know, Gotham is the place to be for criminals. Like, and if the, if those players are criminals and the stage is Gotham, like he wants to create his new, his new screen. Okay. Yeah. I, I, I like that dynamic. And I really did like a starlet as a character, you, you got the right amount of, uh, creepy and I mean it was just it was this was a very damaged character yeah that you brought and uh, there was a lot of good good kind of parallels to Harley in some ways um, as somebody who went much further you know to past the point of no return but um, just just kind of all the beats it fit the story Harley was going through it uh, Mateo did a great job on the art I mean it was yeah Mateo's art's beautiful yeah it, it really fit this world. So, I mean, we're, it's a dumb question, but were you happy with the finished product? You know, this is kind of your, this is your first comic, isn't it? This, Yeah, more or less. We did um, a Kickstarter book called Cafe Racer years ago, which was sort of a anthology style. It was one story, but anthology styled and part of the, um, like Sean had, like five students that he had come to stay with us and that we gave them each like, I think it was five or 10 pages of the story that came together. Um, but this is certainly my first real graphic novel that's like yeah. in stores and available for purchase. Yeah. And I'm thrilled with how it came together. I mean, you couldn't ask for a better team. Yeah. You know, everyone from Sean, I guess I have to give him credit. Yeah. Everyone from Sean, those who don't know, Sean is my husband. I feel like everyone probably knows that by now. <laughs> <laughs> it would have been funny, though, to keep going and just like, wait a minute, why is Sean in this? <laughs> why is she so grumpy about him? Um, <laughs> everyone from Sean to Mateo to Maggie, our editor, um, to the colorists that we had. Um, nice. Even End World, who did the lettering, everyone was just a really, really tight team. But it, it's, I mean, for for kind of a freshman uh, comic coming out the gate, you're you you talk about stepping up on the stage of Gotham. This this is a big, I mean, White Knight's been a very successful comic. A lot of very um, passionate fans, I would say, about the about the comic. People who are feel very invested. It doesn't feel like an Elseworlds kind of comic. People are very attached to it. Mm. Uh, obviously, great testament to what Sean has built there. And you're coming in to do the first, um, you know, kind of spinoff series. Like I, that's intimidating. I, I got to imagine that was, that was a big deal. It was, it was very intimidating. Um, yeah. <laughs> I don't have a lot to add to that other than yes. <laughs> it was very nerve wracking. Um, and I, you know, there's a lot of people who had never heard my name before mm -hmm. um, and didn't even know that I had 
books that I had written, they just, you know, maybe only saw the headline that it was Sean's wife coming in mm -hmm. to write um, the story. And, you know, but I think that pretty quickly after I saw anyone who at first was like, wait, and then they realized very quickly that I was a writer in my own mm -hmm. right. No, yeah. for sure. I mean, you've got a, a, a kind of big library of work you've done. And I think the first issue probably also, I mean, it felt natural. You 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 would not have guessed it was uh, somebody kind of coming into this kind of big comic for the first time. Yeah. You know, it didn't read that way. So it, uh, Thank you. You, you yeah. want a lot of fans over. Sure. Sorry, so other than uh, Harley and, and Bruce, who you mentioned in, in this so far, were there any other maybe... Uh, ancillary characters that you enjoyed uh, taking a crack at in this? The hyenas. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. um, I I'd always felt like, well, I mean, always is a strong word. I, I really wanted to give, I mean, they're not dogs. Actually, did you know hyenas are closer to the feline family than they are canine? Uh, that makes uh, sense, yeah. But I, I always felt like they, they, they don't get their time in the sun mm -hmm. and um, to be really a part of her family. And, uh, and it's funny cause there's like a line in the first issue where she says like, um, these are my babies. The munchkins upstairs are my kids or something. Yeah. Like yeah. These yeah. Are my babies. And I think any, any parent probably who has a pet first kind of has that feeling, right? Like this is my first baby, this yeah. dog or cat, or I don't know, hamster. I don't know if people feel that way about hamsters. Probably. It depends. It takes all kinds. <laughs> but, um, does, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad you brought up the, the hyenas because uh, something that was probably different uh, for you uh, doing prose before this is uh, writing characters that you don't really see any dialogue or any, oh, yeah. there's no like real narrative captions for the hyenas through this. Like, so, so when you're writing the hyenas, what was it like, you know, um, writing that in the script and then being like, Ooh, I hope they, you know, I hope Mateo and all them like get what I, I'm trying to, as I'm trying to describe what I want <laughs> the hyenas to do. Like, how was that? Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Question. That's an interesting question. I, I think that it's, it, it came more naturally than I would have anticipated originally. Like it was, it was not like easy is not the right word, right? Nothing yeah. about writing a comic is easy, but like there was kind of a, and I think it's, it's a testament to the chemistry that our team had because there were very few moments where I felt Mateo didn't get the thing yeah. I was trying to get across. Or if, if he was confused, he would just ask a question or, yeah. you know, like, but, for the most part, and and Mateo's style of drawing those hyenas is so touching and beautiful, mm -hmm. and like Don Bluth all the way. Yeah. Um, you know it, the way he draws the babies too. It's just it it had a, a magic quality to it. Nice. Um, and yeah. So, do you have a favorite Don Bluth film? Anastasia. Oh, Anastasia. Yeah. Okay. Right. I mean, I don't think it, not because I think it's his best, but it's the one that when I was, it was like when I was the right age, that's what came out. And mm -hmm. as like a little actress girl who wanted to yeah. be a singer and a princess, <laughs> like mm -hmm. I, and I, I still think that it's some of the, the best music in, in mm -hmm. animated film. I sure. love music in them. And it was made into a Broadway show, which is also yeah. a wonderful Broadway musical. Yeah, I recently yeah. rewatched The Secret of Nymph. So 
Oh, right. that's a good one. Yeah, that's a very good one. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah. I, uh, well, I want to ask you about the hyenas, but you mentioned something, and, and I think Sean had mentioned I should ask you. So you, you mentioned wanting to be a princess, but you, you got to be you got to be a princess in a parade, I hear. I, I am I allowed to talk about that? <laughs> I feel like I signed an N- NDA. Okay, fair enough. Did he? Did Scott talk about being Prince Charming? Yeah. So we are allowed to. Talk oh about yes, he he has. Yes, he, yeah. he definitely. I, so I remember when uh, when I worked there at Disney, I was told very under like no uncertain terms that you word it as you are good friends of. Ah uh, yes. This character, so I would mm-hmm. say like I'm very good friends of Ariel. <laughs> very good. I'm very good friends of uh, Wendy from uh, Peter Pan nice. and Alice from Alice in Wonderland. Oh, very nice. Yeah. Right. Good and the only reason I got to be a good friend of Ariel was because someone got sick. Uh, <laughs> like I would not normally play that character. <laughs> there we go. Um, I, I I love that. I have so many uh, Disney memories of, of those things. Um, but okay, so the hyenas. Um, so you know I, these these characters were were. I mean, I, I like the way you brought them in, but it's worth noting. And I guess this is a, a spoiler. The the series does start with two, but mm-hmm. it doesn't end with two. Mm-hmm. Actually, it does end with two. Okay. I mean, spoilers, right? Like people, if you haven't read it People at this point have read the comic. We can can. (laughs) pause, come back in a month when the trade comes out. Yeah, yeah, it ends with her getting a puppy or a kitty. What what are we Uh, calling hyenas now? A baby baby hyena. But yeah, we start with, with Lou and Bud and we end with only Bud and his new little sister. Yeah is a gift from Bruce because we lost Bud in the house fire. It's, it's, um, yeah, I, I thought that this, that moment, I mean, not like that, that, you know, everybody wants to kill pets. That's not <laughs> where I'm going with this, but it, <laughs> it, uh, the fact that, I mean, it, I felt like, uh, the, the kind of the evolution of Harley Quinn, obviously is close to hyenas. They're part of her life. Um, you know, the uh, Lou is the one that, that died. Lou is the one. Uh, yeah. And uh, the starlet villain kills Lou. And and then, but Harley, you know, it, it shows her evolution. She doesn't then go and, and kill Starlet. She she decides to lock her up. And that felt like, I mean, it, it was the, uh, I thought that that conveyed a really nice way for the character to grow. Because in a different world, she would have taken revenge for that action. And many people would have been cheering her on for it. But it, yeah showed the evolution um, better than, than frankly, other things would have done. I thought that was, but it was sad to lose the hyena. I mean, yeah, let me tell you. So I, it is no secret that I am a very big animal lover. Mm-hmm. I have three dogs. I have a cat who is the meanest cat in the whole wide world. And I still keep her <laughs> like, I try to make her love me, even though she draws blood on a daily basis. Um, I love animals. And as we were like writing and as we were plotting this book, I remember coming up to Sean one night at dinner and I was like, I think one of the hyenas has to die. And he was like, I'm sorry. What did you just say? Like, I never thought I'd see the day that my wife would kill an animal in any story. Mm -hmm. Um, And it just felt like the right 
move for the book. And uh, and it is funny because I used to give him such shit because he killed Cola in yes. Hong Kong Jesus, which was yeah. like my mom and I like did not talk to him for a, a solid week when we read that book and Cola died. Um, but yeah, so that was a big uh, surprise, I think, to anyone who knows me that I would make that choice in the story. Yeah, you know, you brought up uh, Sean. Now, uh, how has your life uh, changed getting all that extra time with Sean since he's been off Twitter? Uh, <laughs> how has our life changed? Well, um, happier. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think there's, there's less stress and anxiety around that social media. Mm. Um, you know, we were spending a lot more time together with the pandemic. Like all <laughs> couples. <laughs> like, um, but yes, I am actually, I am the reason he's not on Twitter anymore for anyone who may not know. All right. Smart one there. Good for you. Um, yeah. I, I had quit Twitter before he had just cause I don't know. I just, I, I wasn't part of anything that warranted it other than just, I didn't see a whole lot of value for me to be on there and mm -hmm. social media in general, I find to be stressful. Yeah. Um, and so we were, we had to get a new car and there were two versions of this car and I don't even know. I, I'm, I'm married to a car person, but I'm not a car person. Uh, and one version had like a real souped up engine and the other one was not. Yeah. yeah. And Normal driving. Yeah. That yeah. day at the dealership, I said to him, if you get off Twitter today, delete your account, we, we can get the souped up engine. Yeah. On this and he was like, done. Like he had his phone out. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I love it. Also, our car, I'm being told that that car that we got is 365 horsepower. Oh, okay. Whatever right. that means. Well, it will allow you to escape. Horses pull it. You, you well. can escape people who come after you from Twitter. So this is perfect. You got yeah. the right. Yeah. You got the good <laughs> but that must have been <laughs> we can, uh, hard. Uh, for you, you know, you haven't been on Twitter for a while. So, so I imagine if you're not on social media, all of a sudden you can't sell any books and uh, everything just falls apart, right? Isn't that yeah, how it it's works? Weird that, that didn't happen. <laughs> weird. Still so are... And life went on. The, the, the earth revolved on its axis all the same. Amazing. Wow. Uh, you know, and now if, if he has a, a tweet he just says it to me right he's just there like you go. <laughs> you're, okay so you're saying it, it didn't impact any kind of uh sales or you know ability to have your career and you talk more as a couple yeah so if, i mean for us at least i i have not and again i quit twitter long before him and i didn't have nearly as many followers as he did but i there was no move of that needle when i quit like yeah yeah um, I think for me, it's funny though, quitting Facebook for me would be harder because a lot of my advertising is on Facebook. So yeah. I have, and you need a business page in order to advertise on Facebook. And, um, oh, for sure. So yeah. I like some social media I think would impact if I quit. Um, sure. if Facebook but, did set itself up more to do business. And I mean, if you took that track, there was a track. There, there really is. There's no business on Twitter other than just getting yourself into trouble. I think. Yeah. 
There's no yeah, business on well, Twitter yeah, other no, than like, everyone else's business, right? sponsored tweets. Like, that's not a thing, right? Like, yeah. on Twitter, yeah. They're trying to do it uh, years too late. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, you're starting to see more promoted tweets and Got it. Like that. Interesting. Yeah, it's it's hard, I think, to introduce a, uh, a kind of a business process for someone when the trending topic is, uh, look what I pooped. I mean, it's not a good crossover there. Yeah, coffee beans. Yeah, yeah. yeah there you go. Yeah, coffee. <laughs> Joe, so, did you have a book come out recently? I, I did. Uh, I had a book, uh, Backstar, uh, through Mad Cave Studios. It's uh, five issues. Yeah. The first issue's out now, so... That's awesome. Thank you. No, it's it's it's, it's going well. I have a, a a while before I have a, a, a catalog that's comparable to yours, but you know, well, I, I've got not, some. Not your your comic book catalog and my comic book catalog are probably going to be pretty similar. <laughs> well, that's that's, that's <laughs> but 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 still, it, you know, uh, another thing that a lot of people bring up with Harley, and uh, mm-hmm. yeah, is poison ivy. Mm-hmm. A lot of people bring up Poison Ivy and, and Harley in, in the same breath. There's a lot of shippers of these characters. There's a lot of people who are like, if there's no Poison Ivy with my Harley, uh, I'm I'm not into it. Yeah. Um, how, what do you think of the, the character of, of Poison Ivy? What do you think of uh, their sort of friendship or, or however uh, you want to put it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, how does it fit yeah. with you? Yeah. I, mean, I love the character of Poison Ivy. I think she's yeah. one of the more compelling Gotham villains. Um, and I, I think that there's been really awesome iterations done where mm-hmm. Harley and Ivy are together. And it's having Ivy in our book was kind of our nod to that. Yeah. Um, but with the history that had been set up, we weren't sure how it would fit with like an actual relationship between the two. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we're still kind of playing around with that idea if they maybe will have their own story in the future under mm-hmm. the white knight umbrella. Yeah. Um, but definitely I can see their relationship being super meaningful to both of them, Sure, whether that is just a very close friendship or maybe something more, um, I I don't know I because that's it's Sean's it's Sean's world it's his characters so like I can't sure. for that but um, yeah. but it was I also think really important for Ivy to be in this story because there's such a theme of parenthood mm-hmm. and um, nurture mm-hmm. that um, Ivy is like Mother Earth like she's mm-hmm. she yes. is nurturing. Uh, yeah. and- her own way to her plant babies and um harley needed someone to come in and help her through this right like she wasn't yeah. she she was struggling with the fact that she doesn't feel maternal um and so having someone who is kind of naturally maternal help her and guide her and i think in a lot of ways ivy probably in her backstory has been a guiding light in the past and yeah yeah I really like that. I, I like that element of it. Of it was a different type of relationship we haven't seen before, but it fit with the friendship, and it fit. Uh, people seem to Poison Ivy is one of those characters that people seem to be very random, like about it, you know she's protecting the earth or psychotic villain or lovesick teenager or all three simultaneously somehow. It's it's very it, very oddly written, but uh, mm-hmm. yeah, I like the way you did it. You did it yeah. there. 
And what you're trying to tell us here is that your approach to poison ivy is from the story and and not to just upset people if they like poison ivy one way or the other <laughs> no, well it was definitely not my intent to upset anyone <laughs> <laughs> no it was it really just came from a place of i i obviously knew that there was a a history of yeah. fans with ivy and harley um but it, when looking at the story as a whole and like wanting there to be a a, a lighthouse of sorts for Harley right. to help her yeah. find her way and who would that person be? Like I, I don't it couldn't be Bruce, because Bruce isn't a parent. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like the, and it like kind of ticking off the who it could and couldn't be. And it was like, oh my God, it's so obvious who it is. Yeah. And um and you know, she's she's with Neo. Yeah. She kind of is with Harley because you yeah. know Harley. Yeah. yeah. And, and I like how you, you boil it down from, uh, you know, paternal instinct, Bane or Poison Ivy. You went with Poison Ivy. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Good choice. Yeah. Are, are there any other uh, characters, uh, whether they're already established in the White Knight universe or not, that you're kind of like, hey, you know, if, if this character shows up, I'd love to take a crack at him? Yeah, I am. Um, I would love to write a Zatanna story. Oh, yeah. that'd be excellent. Yeah. And I yeah. don't know whether it's in White Knight or not, but yeah. I, I find Zatanna very compelling. There should be an opening since Zatanna uh, was destroyed in the Round Robin. So, yeah. <laughs> so there's, there's, there should be. Yeah. <laughs> we can slide, slide yeah. right there. <laughs> it would be smart to do. I mean, isn't there a show or a movie or something? There's some like uh, media property with Satan, I thought, that they're working on. So I, I I could swear I saw, saw an option out there somewhere. We need, we you are it. probably right. You have your thumb on that pulse way uh, more than I do. <laughs> but you you're still writing books as well. Like you you have some mm-hmm. books coming out and, and yeah. What what do you have coming? What's uh, what's what kind of book are you putting out next? So I just had a romantic comedy come out. Oh, okay, very good. Uh, like a good beach read. Um, that just came out, and then I am working on a new indie graphic novel. Nice. That we are planning to crowdfund. Oh, excellent. Um, and yeah, and then working on another romance series on top of that. So. Nice. And with all, there was a lot of speculation that you ended the uh, Harley Quinn setting up a potential sequel. Do you do you see yourself ever returning to to that world? I would love to. Okay. I would love to have like um, I, I Harley is now living with the Batcave. <laughs> like, yeah. how can you not write that story? That's mm-hmm. <laughs> awesome. Um, yeah. Yeah, and kind of the new balance between she's not. A vigilante, but she's also not part of Gotham. The yeah. GPO, you know, and and we've also set up in that little short story that came out in um, Harley Black, White, and Red. Mm-hmm. Like she and Montoya are still friends; like they get along. Mm-hmm. So whatever she does in this section of time has to be within, at least within the gray area that Montoya mm-hmm. allows. You know, because okay. they have still managed to be friends and. Montoya is essentially like a godparent, I think, to her children. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm hoping there's more. I, well, the trade is coming out in about June. a month, right? Yeah, June. So June. Yeah. And yeah. I'm hoping uh, that gets some good attention. Like I said, the, yeah. the series seemed to 
I think seem to surprise people. And I don't know if there was a, a lower expectation because spinoffs typically they do, they do worse or people are like, ah, I don't know, spinoffs, but we'll stick with the core series. But I also right. noticed you, it was, it was labeled. Uh, how do I want to put this? It didn't feel like a spinoff in how it was marketed. It was, it was hmm. white Knight Harley Quinn, but they, they really emphasized the white Knight. So it did feel like you were getting kind of white Knight three in a way, but yeah. Harley Quinn. Yeah. And that was smart. I think. Yeah, and I do think that is, it's A, by design, and I think that's how it reads. Like, it, yes. it doesn't read as a spinoff. It does read as, like, it's the next progression in the story. Because yeah. Bruce is in jail. <laughs> like, that's a boring mm-hmm. story. Or maybe not. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but, uh, yeah, not every uh, spinoff can be Frasier. So it's good that, uh, <laughs> you know. Good point. <laughs> My God, do I love that show! <laughs> I really watched it. <laughs> You're bringing it back to coffee, Joe. That's uh, I, I am. Speaking yes. of, I didn't get to ask you: Is there a chain that has really decent coffee that I'm not aware of that I should be trying? Yeah, East Coast, Joe. What do you say? Oh, geez, I don't know about the East Coast. Um, <laughs> it's all like little coffee shops I, I tend to go to. Like, uh, yeah. there's one uh, not terribly far from me in Farmingdale called Flux. Uh, if anyone's on Long Island listening to this and they do great coffee, they had this smoked maple leaf latte that was just mm. out of this world. Um, you know, some, some great stuff, but when I'm out, uh, you know, in uh, purchase neck of the woods out in uh, the Seattle mm. area, I, I tend to like that. Um, it, it's more of a chain that a uh, top pot place with the, mm. uh, for the, uh, you know, I go for the donuts, but the coffee is really solid there yeah top pot does good good coffee um up in yeah. my neck woods there's there's a place called cypress that does great mm-hmm. coffee and it's a uh, it's very independent i think there's like four shops but they do stuff mm-hmm. with uh you know sage and rosemary and it's it's very good but nice. uh, but great place to hang out like they have the the draw there is like the shop is really good and the tables oh. are up and work and God, nice. like writing in coffee shops <laughs> I miss it so much. <laughs> they they tried this approach because I, I think they they saw it was always packed. People were doing exactly what you said. The ambient noise is getting things going, and and uh, so they put up these plastic tarps between, and it, it just that that was not a good plan. Uh, but they're trying. They're trying to get. Yeah, <laughs> you recommend anyone who's trying, right? Yeah. Yeah. And uh, there's this place too. Uh, it's not good for doing work in because it's always packed. Mm. It's always packed. There's always a line. Uh, it's the Witch's Brew on Hempstead Turnpike. That's Ooh, a, I like the name. It's okay. a it's a great little place. And it, you know, they had all like the Chotskys and and stuff like that on the walls. <laughs> but it was like that was like the trendy place to to hang out. I I, I went there in like college because uh, I, I went you, to Astro. So if you had a coffee shop that you owned, what would you name it? Oh, um, that's that's. That's terrible. I can't think of, uh, <laughs> I can't think of, you know, like, uh, I hate this new perch. I don't know. I got saddled with that, but I probably just keep applying that until I was out of ideas. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. So Sean just joined me. Yes. Yeah, nice. Sean. Hello. I wanted to add that I, I feel bad that, um, I suckered my wife into joining comics and part of the fun is going and signing autographs and going to shows and, all that and uh she hasn't got to do yeah any of that stuff my for my first book coming out i mean lots and lots of people are obviously experiencing this too Mm -hmm. right it's certainly not a unique story but yeah to have your first book come out in a pandemic when you can't do anything (laughs) pretty pretty sucky one way you could extend your career is uh you can join twitter and then uh (laughs) 
<laughs> round out with a bunch of other creators and network your way in. Yeah. You don't, have to have, you don't actually have to be talented, too, to do that. Oh, my God. <laughs> Yeah, no, um, but uh, this is this is why I didn't even want you joining this interview. <laughs> <laughs> I we've got so hopefully the the cons will come back at some point. But I yeah. mean, to that point, um, you know, they're trying to do the digital convention. I know some are coming up, and I, I don't want to speak ill of anybody's attempts because I again like the coffee shop. People are trying to do something, and I, I get that. But uh, yeah. um, it's it it. it, it how much with your books you you're able to connect with readers and fans and you, you have your blog and you have, you know, your engagement there on Amazon and other things, but that's just missing on with comics. right? Yeah. Now. yeah I mean, it's missing with, it's missing with romance too. Um, you know, I've, I've seen some romance authors trying to do virtual signings and I think that they've been more or less successful. Like you said, like we're all just trying to do our best and, yeah. Um, but I think everyone's also really excited for when the first real signing happens. Oh, yeah. We committed to Seattle uh, in December. I think oh, really? Those are trying to do um, right before the end of the tax year to, so they don't leave their space or whatever. Yeah. So uh, we're, we're hoping by then that things can be 80% back to normal. I hope so. I mean, we're nice. both uh, getting our second vaccination right. this week. Yep. And yeah, I heard good uh, coffee in Seattle. I I hear the same. I've been to Seattle. I actually, I can say for a fact that that is true. There is. <laughs> well, I, well, I mean, that's great. So you're gonna be my neck of the woods by the end of the year. Then we're gonna have to hang out or do something. I've got to give you yeah. coffee and scotch. Yeah. That's the plan, right? <laughs> yeah, we'll double fist it. I'll just take the coffee. Leave the scotch. <laughs> I'll take a truly. <laughs> I'm a much cheaper date than John. <laughs> is there uh, <laughs> it, along that line? Actually, so doing these books, what is, is there something that you wish comics would inherit from books? Like you're like they have it over here. Why won't they bring it over here? Mm. What is yeah missing? Uh, it's a good question. I mean, I think that there's there's a handful of things, but I I I would love to see an embrace of digital mm -hmm. in a way that wouldn't shut down, you know, local comic shops. Like, because yeah. um, no one wants to see that happen. But I think that there is a way to do that, and and do it very, very successfully. I mm -hmm. mean, I've, I've actually started reading some of my comics um, on e-form and it's actually really great. <laughs> like I, I didn't even realize how simple they make it. And yeah, now I do think the pricing is off. Like the way they yes, price your comics is just, it's ridiculous. She was yeah. the feature that takes you from panel to panel. When she discovered that oh, she was in heaven. My so she world struggles. changed. Like, it takes practice to learn how to read a comic. It's not yeah. intuitive per se. So you discovered that. It's not, but also being dyslexic, comics are, they're either super helpful or super hindering, right? Like sometimes yep. it's overwhelming in yep. my dyslexic mind to read a comic book, but other times the pictures are so helpful in deciphering what the word is yeah. that I'm yeah. reading that my brain is jumbling. Um, and our niece who is uh, turning 19, oh my God, she's turning 19. Uh, <laughs> our niece who's turning 19 is uh, very, very dyslexic. And she always found comics to be her, um, her like book of choice because of that, because the pictures helped her. Oh. 
um, piece together the story. You're, you're right about price too. I mean, oh, the price like is ridiculous. 99 cents for a book that takes you, well, some readers of yours can blow through a novel in like a day, mm -hmm. but like you're paying 99 cents for something that keeps you busy for a week versus like $5 for a comic that takes you 20 minutes, like just doesn't add up. Well, you know. I mean, even a romance novel or any novel that's digitally, like, you know, they range, some some of them are 99 cents, but some are 3.99 and yeah. some are, they go up to 9.99 sometimes. Um, it, yeah, even like my readers would never buy a single issue for 3.99 or 4.99. So now they might buy the trade, that's what you're but hoping for, right? Like a lot yeah, of readers, I think that they're going to buy the trade. Because they won't, for four bucks is sort of, that's like four romance novels for them. Yes. Yeah. So you think well, you can sometimes, get them to yeah. spend like 20 on a trade? I think so. I Because I, I think at the very least, like there's a lot of things working against a reader like mine from romance coming on board with single issue comics. Like mm -hmm. having to wait in between each issue mm -hmm. is a little. Oh, yeah. Like very disorienting if you're not used to that, right? And like for them, and I know a lot of my readers who won't even buy the first book in a series of books until all the books are out. So like if you have a series of romance novels that are going to be five books long, they will not buy book one until all five of yours are out. Mm. I, that makes sense. Um, I think it makes perfect sense. I hate that feeling of like, Finishing the last page and being like, I have to wait three months till the next book. No, I get it. Oh, for sure. I mean, and we're seeing that with Netflix and Amazon and, and these different services with streaming and kind of how they're trying to put things out. And yeah. uh, But I mean, you, you said something powerful there. I think 99 cents for a full story feels like a very good deal. I mean, it's a, it's a good bar. You feel like you're getting a lot for a dollar. And then, but comparing that up to, Three ninety nine or four ninety nine, or I'm seeing seven ninety nine for some books out there that are under forty pages. That's that you just get stopped, right? <laughs> like yeah. mentally, you can't process that. Well, and especially when when the digital price is the exact same as the price as the tangible book. I yeah. think that's where it's like, well, why would I buy the digital book? Um, and you know, that's something that romance also had struggled with at first. Um, publishers used to try to publish an ebook of a debut author at 9.99 and you know the trade was maybe 10.99 or 11.99 and so what happened was no one bought the ebooks and your paperback books only sold you know the 1 to 2000 copies um, that you would expect for a debut author and then they they sit down at their next meeting with you and they say like, well, you know, you didn't sell very much. And it's when the com competition is selling a book for $3.99, how do you compete with that as someone who's not well known? And, you know, I can get into a whole thing too about how I think 99 cent books are a marketing tactic, but yeah. no one is paying their mortgage on a 99 cent book. Cause once Amazon takes their cut, you're making 30 cents a book yeah. for, I mean, a novel for me takes at least sometimes anywhere from six weeks to four months to write. So to make 30 cents per book is giving a book away. Like I might as well make yeah. it free. But you give away the first few, you sell the first yes. few a lot. So this is the marketing tactic. Once you have, like once you have a series of five books or three books or four books, and you basically like a drug dealer, you give away the first for free <laughs> <laughs> and or at 99 cents, like, you know, you're taking a loss on book one in the eventual making up for it down the line. Um, 
it's a software model. It's um, and and the drug analogy is good. It's why they call their their customers users. It's uh, <laughs> um, Shonen Jump is. I mean, they've got their all you can eat app. Ten thousand chapters, ten thousand books there, and it's a dollar ninety nine a month, unlimited wow. reading. Wow, dollar ninety nine a month. Yeah, I mean it's 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 nuts. Um, how? But it's, it feels like the world's changed. So you're saying that's something that they've got maybe not worked out, but there is a better process. It feels like digital is is better worked out for these novels than it is for comics at the moment. Yeah, it it is. Um, and, you know, it, it came from a very different place for romance because, like I said, a lot of um, authors just sort of embraced the digital uh, model that Amazon had set up for self-publishing when they couldn't get a book bought by the big five publishers. Um, so I think a lot of authors like early, early on, like circa, you know, 2009, 2010, were just kind of like, fuck it <laughs> to the big five and published on their own. And then they had massive success i'm taught like jennifer yeah. lynn armentrout i think was one of the first uh romance authors who in that new adult genre like mm -hmm. and now she's also with a small publisher um who's their uh the publisher is a friend of mine called blue box press i think is their publishing name but they're a very small publisher and they're uh publishing her fantasy series and it is it was like number one on every platform it was number one on amazon Barnes and Noble, iTunes, uh, Kobo, like just everywhere, everywhere, everywhere. She was number one on the USA Today bestseller list and then didn't hit at all on uh, New York Times, hmm. which is like, how does that happen? It happens by their way onto New York Times and it's not an accurate depiction of the best-selling books in our country. Do you think that the reason digital was it? Sorry about that tangent. <laughs> so you mentioned there's five major publishers in mm -hmm. books, right? Mm -hmm. The comics has two. Now, we, our tier two publishers are like Image, Dark Horse, whatever. Mm -hmm. There's maybe like eight tier two publishers. How many tier two publishers are in? Oh my gosh. Thousands, or hundreds. Uh, not thousands. I Certainly more than there are in comics. Yeah. yeah. So like more. Even authors are now creating publishing houses. So like right. um, Meredith Wilde is an author I know who has uh, publishing house. I think it's called like Waterhouse Press. Um, and yeah, like lots of authors are now doing imprints. So like, so they've created a very big world that is outstandingly selling. And so they've started to have other authors come in to write books in like the towns that they created that are best selling books. Um, so yeah, when you also count in those people, I bet there's, there's a lot. So is it like, there's a ton of competition, maybe a drove, uh, Innovation. In romance, there's there's a ton of competition, but also the readers are voracious. Um, yeah. I, there's no lack of readers, and readers who are voracious romance readers, like you said, they read a book a day. Yeah. So a bunch of changes that you got to, but that's like comics. But you have a, a audience that's very connected with their product, and then mm -hmm. you have a much bigger. I mean, whether it's it's dozens or hundreds, but I would guess it's over a hundred probably in that tier two. It's probably over a hundred, but maybe not like upper hundreds. Like, yeah, yeah we maybe have like sure. low hundreds if I had to guess, yeah, which sure. and I could be totally wrong. I don't no, know. That's, that's, a fair guess. that's a perfect marriage of business though. So you, you have, you have heavy competition of this tier two level and you have a, a customer base. that's very attached to the product in this case, romance books. Mm -hmm. And that's a great combo. Uh, it's, it's people trying to serve those customers, build things. I, and that's, that's, 
that's exactly what comics should try and replicate. But yeah. And also it's just so easy to do it on your own that like, mm-hmm. I don't even yeah. go through a tier two publisher anymore for my romance. Cause I know the process to do it all myself. I format my own books. Mm-hmm. I have an editor who I, I have multiple editors who I pay. Um, and I keep more of that bottom line for myself and, Amazon makes it very easy, as does, I don't want to just keep talking Amazon, you know, Barnes Noble makes it easy, Mm -hmm. Nook Publishing, and um, Apple Books is not as easy, but Mm -hmm. yeah, you can figure it out. You've got some work to do, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But Apple Book readers are so, um, like, loyal to that platform. Hmm. And Apple book readers are more likely to pay more per book than on Amazon. Amazon mm-hmm. readers are so used to free and Kindle Unlimited and 99 cent books. But over on Apple books, they're like, they don't bat an eye at spending five, six, seven bucks for a book. Well, yeah. Apple, and I think this is one of those clues comics can learn from their books platform. It's, it's much easier to buy books. If you're there, like if you have your, if you, if you're on your phone and you just remember for whatever reason, this book that you're reading, you can, you can almost do it with a click. Mm. Like it is, it is really easy to just do attach purchases. And it, it's, it's weird that others don't replicate that, but you know. yeah. It's funny. The connection between romance writing, your industry and my industry. Oh yeah. They're is, mirror image. It's like 90% it's like- one gender in the other direction. Yeah. Um, you have, fantasy uh, fulfillment type of uh, writing. Um, you have a lot of really introverted people writing about these escapist, escapism. You've got publishers that are like uh, trying to avoid the inevitable. Uh, <laughs> you know, you've got conventions where people have a lot of drinks sometimes. Um, they hire booth babes at romance conventions too. We hire men. we hire male models. Yeah, I so mean, like, I have not, but it's bizarro. <laughs> male comics. models are hired. Ooh, it's bizarro comics. I love yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, But it feels like if uh, they learn from each other, or rather, if if comics could learn from this, they, comics is always talking about we want to bring in a, a stronger female audience and all this kind of stuff. It's yeah. like it's right here. Just yeah, 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 yeah. For sure. Um, Oh shoot! What was I going to say? I was going to say something along those lines, and it just whoop, went away. Um, yeah. Well, if you want a female audience, you can just start writing YA or uh, manga. I mean, you know, I love YA comics. Yeah. I really, I really love them. Yeah. <laughs> like you were uh, thinking about pitching a YA, like a one, a White Knight uh, kids book. Uh, yeah. Harley's two little Harley's babies going to kids. preschool or whatever, and how all the other kids. Well, it wouldn't be preschool if it's YA. <laughs> this would be all ages. This would be this all would ages. be yeah youth. So, but she's like, well, I want to use this artist, and I go, I get the idea is YA, but that artist is not that mm. YA. You need like a Raina Telmeyer art style. You need like a really broken down. Cal but I also style. just don't see it working in White Knight. Right. I don't, you can, I don't you can hire know. Simon Bisley for your, your GA. <laughs> you, yeah, you like heavy metal. But with metal. <laughs> <laughs> that would be funny, though. I'd like to see that book, actually. <laughs> I would pay Bisley to do a YA book, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's, <laughs> like a, that's a money. Primer. Book. I loved Primer. That yeah. was a good book. Yeah. Primer sold like crazy. Then yeah. some nice people do have done that, and they've, they've been very good friends. So, yeah. You were going to you were going to reach out to that editor and ask them, like, what do you need to, to pitch? Like, what what kind of stuff are you looking for? Yeah. And my curiosity is, like, does that editor know why that book sold so well? Like, does he or she actually get why that formula struck gold? Like, are they even doing the math correctly? 
I don't know. Yeah. 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 This is like the, some of the questions I ask, and I know it's not okay to ask these questions sometimes, but you know, I don't care. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, don't I hope, I, I mean, I hope so. I, I mean, if, if I'm, you know, that editor of DC right now, like I am green lighting your primer two and three now, like before those creators move on to something else, I would get that as fast as humanly possible. That, that book was outselling Watchmen for a huge stretch. <laughs> <laughs> so go make that money. But yeah. 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 I wonder, is there anything on the schedule for primer two and three? One would imagine hmm, okay. there should be Joe. What do you think? I, I, I think uh, if they're smart, they, they'd hmm. have at least one more book in the, in yeah. the lineup, if not more. And yeah. I feel like book left it like open for that. Oh, for sure. Yeah. It would be yeah. <laughs> like no, teed up and ready to go. Yeah. Both. Yes. Just yeah. <laughs> That page of primer where you have all the colors and like what it, each color does. Like I can imagine little kids in the backseat of a car, just like their imaginations firing. Yeah. Like they should just sell that as a poster, honestly, yeah. for, and you get a free poster yeah. for volume two. I mean, I can see why yeah. it works well. Yeah. I, I, I completely agree. I don't, I, my, my daughters love it and they do exactly that. They draw it and they talk about the colors and it's like, it's, it's free money. Go, go grab yeah. it. Hopefully there'll be more. Yeah. Oh, I know what I was going to say. I was going to say that in romance, we we attempted for a while, like there was a big movement of serialization of novels mm-hmm. where authors were like chopping their books up into like three or four mm. installments. And it was very popular for a short amount of time. And it also very quickly went away and mm-hmm. readers very quickly got annoyed and tired of it. Yeah. Because one book, like there was um, one author who actually I really liked her book her book but i didn't read it all because it ended up oh goodness um that book ended up being like 25 installments at you know like 2.99 3.99 each and eventually readers just got tired where they were like okay yeah and it was that same mindset of like for 3.99 i could have just bought a book right how how long did it take for the industry to adjust to that and, and be like, oh, this isn't working. Let's do it something. It was not long. I want to say maybe that was really popular for two years, if okay. that. Because it seems like comics suffers from, oh, this isn't working. Maybe in eight or nine years, we'll try something different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. As opposed I mean, to two years. Is that working in comics? Because people seem to really like the format. There are uh, a lot of uh, people in, in comics, and they'll straight up tell you, there have been higher-ups at Marvel and DC who have, on live streams, in front of people, said we haven't figured out how to make a graphic novel profitable. That some of these floppies we're putting out, we still need the money to cover the cost of making it so that way the trade paperback is gravy, and we don't know how to just put it out. An original graphic novel and people have been saying this now at the big two oh. literally for decades at this yeah. point since, since the mid 90s for sure yeah and i was a yeah a very prominent uh, head editor for one of the big two said this on a live stream to about 25 people um and just just out like that just just flat out that hmm. we, we we haven't figured it out yeah. yet it's like man it's been 25 years since you last said this yeah. what's going on if, if you were maybe five years into that you'd be like oh these things take time but like after like 25 or so years you would think like no one figured this out yet like this seems like 
shouldn't you put resources in, into this and, and like really seriously do this? Because you're, you're seeing like, like stuff like, and I know it's a different market, but you see stuff like Dogman out there and no one at Scholastic is like, oh man, we can't figure out how to make money off this. We better, we better chop this up and, <laughs> and sell it cheaper. So that way we can figure out a way that we can make money out of this. Like, no, that's not. Mm-hmm. They, 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 lives in poverty clearly so yeah so it's like there's 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 a, a code to crack here uh but instead of that it's like well what if we made all the comics more convoluted by the month and then complained about how we're not able to grow the audience so what if we add more continuity every time you, you could also make it so all the spines are different even yeah. if it's yeah. the title yeah just randomly move things around, change the font. You know, yeah. that people yeah. like that. It's it's modern art. Yeah, you know, uh, I don't think any there's there's a ton of these like Dogman books out there, and there's a ton of these other kind of books out there. Like, you know, or or even when you're talking about something like manga, like like One Piece, like every every volume of that that's sold, they don't have to do something like the world is never going to be the same. The status quo has been changed forever. Yeah. Like you know, he's getting a new hat. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one of my favorite things still that I go back to is when we interviewed Glenn Greenberg, and uh, he was talking about in the first forty years of Batman, there were only two major sh- like paradigm shifts. Two that shifted the status quo. One was the introduction of Robin, and the second was Robin goes to college. That was it. Those were the only two like major status quo shifts in the book. Over 40 years. Over 40 years. And people still bought that book. Like people weren't like, ah, there isn't something new that completely changed the status quo. I am out of here. When is the, when is the relaunch coming? Can we get a new number one already? I don't know. That, that I, you know, I, I feel just like we're just on something here, though, because that's a whole topic right there is, have you ever, like, outside of a few examples where some people universally just hate a run, uh, nothing like that happened recently, uh, where everyone's just asking for someone to get off a book. Other than that, no one has, like, like, Perch at like shops when you were running shops, like mm. was anyone ever like coming up to you being like, Man, like I'm liking this comic, but I'm like 15 issues in and it's just like a a fun story. When are they gonna <laughs> shift the status quo? Yeah. <laughs> readers don't ask for that. And I mean, so I'm curious back to you, Katana, if you know you write <laughs> these romance books. Do you get people like I I I love your books, but can you can you do some horror and no romance? Because I, I, even though I love all the romance books, when are you going to completely change your genre entirely and do something completely different? I, I've never, literally never in my life been asked to write horror. <laughs> <laughs> I absolutely love what you're doing, but can you please share everything about That's what I'm looking for. Yeah. Yeah. Nope. That's not happened. I, I think that the difference for like the serialization in romance that people weren't, fond of was that it felt like there was never an end in sight. Yeah. Like, there, and even comics has like the soap opera graphic yeah. dogman yeah. like wraps up its story. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then it starts a new story. 
And and I think that's where maybe the serialization and romance kind of went a little wrong. And then yeah. it got so stigmatized that then it was like, if you were just kind of cutting your book up into serials, then people were like, well, I just yeah. want to, like, I just want to buy the book. And it just, it just didn't stick. Yeah. You, you mentioned we've, we've taken a lot of your time. So I did yes. want to be respectful of that. <laughs> I, I, uh, I just want to kind of ask you one more thing. Did you, you've done this comic, you kind of referred to it earlier. Are you excited to do more? You're anxious to, to get back. Yeah. Into I really like writing comic comics. I like the format. I, I enjoy, so like my favorite thing to write in the world is dialogue. Mm-hmm. And that's all comics is. It's great. Like, I love writing dialogue. Um, it's like writing a play. Yeah. You know? Again, like yeah. kind of coming back to my theater and my acting background. Like nice. it is. It is like writing a play. Like there are stage directions that you give your artists, and then you have the dialogue. And I love it. So I am really looking forward to working on the um, the book that I'm going to be crowdfunding. I'm looking forward to hearing about that too. When when it when it launches, I want to chat with you again and just feel yeah. like that. And um, and hopefully people are going to go out and buy the 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 trade or the hardcover for Harley Quinn and in a month. And, and I hope so. I hope I yeah. hope they get it. <laughs> we need a sequel. We it, it was yeah. uh, it was really well. And the fact that it was kind of your first big series on a big stage and it it, yeah. it just read great. I, I tons of people love yeah. what you did and. And didn't make the connection, by the way, that 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 you were married to Sean, and and they were just they're like, who's this person? And this is great. I, oh, yeah. well, that's that's sweet too. I I just assumed everyone knew. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I feel like it was in DC's press release, <laughs> and so I just assumed literally everyone knew. No, no one's reading <laughs> no press, one reads the press release anymore, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Nobody. Even Sean whispered to me at one point. He was like, "There's a lot of inside jokes you're not getting." I, I can't help but notice, I mean, we're talking about that. I'm looking up on my shelf and I've got the two volumes, uh, White Knight, uh, kind of one and two, and completely different spine trade dress, just just completely different size and color and everything. It, yeah, that's actually <laughs> oh, well. something, as a, as a book collector myself, man, that bothers me. When like right. I have a series and they don't match up in a perfect line, in a well-designed spine like oh it makes me a little bonkers mm-hmm. it's painful i'm looking at it now like this these shelves and uh the the marvel and dc stuff and and the image stuff is all over the place and then there's a really nice ordered shelf and i'm like well oh that's all manga yeah that looks all great um <laughs> well katana thank you very much for all your time today it's it's been yes. just a pleasure talking with you and uh and i i think i love the romance connection i think a lot of people forget that romance was such a major part of comics and should be and i suspect will be again uh the elephant in the room is manga is doing really really well and uh romance is a huge part of both mm-hmm. Korean and japanese books and yeah and if you're not experiencing that yet you will be soon so yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, thanks for having me. This was fun. Yeah, no, this is great. And congratulations on your book that just came out too. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Yeah. All right. Talk to you soon. Yeah. Bye guys. Bye.